630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Oh, it's Friday night. I'm going to be getting crazy after the show. Extra tall glass of water and a book. Yeah, that's what I got lined up. But first, Inside Sports. Here's what's going on in the NHL tonight. Capitals lead the Sabres 3-1. That's early in the second period. Ovechkin, his 21st of the season. He's good. Also early in the second period, Penguins leading the Devils 2-1. No score, Rangers and Islanders, Wild and Blues just getting underway. Later on tonight, Arizona at Vegas. The Avalanche will take on the Ducks, and the Kings will meet the Sharks. Major League Baseball, top of the third, Blue Jays trailing the Angels 4-0. Golf, the Masters, Justin Rose even today, but he still leads. He's 7-under for the tournament, Will Zatorius. Six under, Brian Harmon, six under. They are tied for second. Some big names who will not be playing this weekend. Dustin Johnson, defending champ, cut. Brooks Kepka, cut. Rory McIlroy, cut. DJ is going to have to stick around and put the jacket on the new winner on Sunday. Appreciate you tuning in this evening. My name is Reed Wilkins. You can get in touch, 780-496-0063. That is the number to both call and text. If you're calling, it's on the CertainTeed hotline, CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials. You can follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S, and you can email inside sports at 630 Calm. Okay, a lot to get to tonight. Kelly Rudy's going to check in a little bit later on. We'll also talk to former PGA Tour player Richard Zokel, who played in the Masters and several other majors during the course of uh, his golf career. He always has some great stories. But we will uh, start tonight telling you what's going on with the Edmonton Oilers. And I, and I want to start with this because it's going to be one year on Saturday since Colby Cave passed away and such a, a tragic story from, well, really shortly after the, the, the league was shut down. I can remember getting the, the alert from the Edmonton Oilers that Cave had been uh, placed into a coma and it was just shocking to read it. And what had happened was the, the season had gone into a pause and we didn't know what was going to happen or when it was going to resume or anything like that. And uh, the Oilers have this, one of those WhatsApp uh, message systems that they use to send out notifications to the media, just like, uh, hey, you know, there's a, a Zoom room coming up uh, right away, or remember that there's a game tomorrow, stuff like that. And I, I got the message and I checked my phone and it said, you know, Edmonton Oilers forward Colby Cave. And I, I read those first five words and I thought, oh, that's that's really cool that they're putting out Colby Cave to do a zoom interview, you know, usually it's the, the, the bigger name guys, but I thought caves very well spoken and that, and that's cool. They're letting him uh, get some attention here and uh, that I'm reading the message and I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, what, what this, this doesn't make any sense. And, and then obviously just, just, just terrible news. And unfortunately Colby, you know, never came out of that Cova co- uh, coma and, and passed away last April 11th, a celebration of life for him tomorrow at Rogers place at 11 a.m., it's going to be streamed live on EdmontonOilers.com and on Oilers' social media channels. And Dave Tippett had some words about Colby Cave today. You know what? We're, we're not going to practice in the morning, so everybody will watch it individually or, or uh, uh, the link that they have. And uh, it's, you know, I think everybody respected Colby so so much that it's... Uh, you know, he's he's in our thoughts a lot. He was a he was a guy that was a true team player, really uh, epitomized what 
kind of hockey players are about. He's a great guy. He works hard, just dedicated to the team, do whatever it would take to, to help us win. And, uh, you know, he's been missed. His, his personality, his uh, abilities have uh, been missed around here. So guys uh, want to make sure they pay their respects in the morning and, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll do that as a team. First and foremost, there's a lot of players in that room that are good friends with him, so he's missed. He's missed as a person and missed as a teammate. So we have a uh, his jersey and picture hanging right in our dressing room that uh, is a reminder every time those players go on the ice, they see they see he's there. So it's um, you know just a reminder of the of the kind of person, kind of player he was, and and our players had the ultimate respect for him, and and they still do. Well, well said by Dave Tippett and Colby Cave, definitely a, a professional and is definitely missed by his teammates. So his celebration of life tomorrow at 11 a.m. And uh, you are invited to watch. It's on EdmontonOilers.com and on Oilers' social media channels. So after the uh, win in Ottawa last night, the Oilers move on to play the Calgary Flames. We have that one for you on 6.30, Ched, tomorrow. 6.30 for the face-off show, and then the game will start at 8, and then we don't expect to see the Oilers in game action for another week. Those games against Vancouver, Monday and Wednesday, postponed. So we'll see how they get adjusted, rescheduled. But right now it looks like Saturday and then the following Saturday for the Oilers, who have been uh, looking pretty good last night. They got the win yesterday without Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Ken Holland, GM of the team, with a quick update on the Nuge today. Uh, he won't play tomorrow night, and we're hoping that he will be ready to go next weekend. So there you have it. Uh, you know, we found out shortly before the game that Nuge was not going to be playing Dave Tippett said day-to-day with an upper body injury, but we know he's not going to be ready tomorrow. You've probably seen the video or heard us talking about it. He did take a high hit from Thomas Shabbat late in the game on Wednesday. Didn't play the last few minutes of the game, so possibly something stemming from that. So hopefully nothing too serious with the Nuge. No, he was not held out of the lineup because of a, a trade. If you're still thinking that, that's not the situation at all. Also today with the Oilers, Kyle Turris was placed on waivers. Here's Tippett again. Yeah, he's been up and down a little bit. He, you know, it's had a tough start and then uh, ended up coming back and actually, you know, played some of his better games and then ended up with the uh, on the COVID protocol and then has come back and been up and down a little bit. But I think that is very much similar as what we've done with some other players where it's roster flexibility and uh, you need players have the ability to go up and down to that taxi squad. Yeah, it's been a tough go for Tourist. Hasn't been very productive offensively. Hasn't been very noticeable most nights. So he gets waived. Obviously, unlikely he's going to get picked up, but it gives the Oilers some flexibility to move him back and forth from the taxi squad. You basically got to, uh, you know, every month you have to clear waivers if they want to move you back and forth. So that is the situation there. Ken Holland did speak at length today. I, I know he did quite an extensive chat with Bob Stoffer on Oilers now earlier in the week you can get that full conversation on the Oilers page on 630ched.com but uh Holland did delve into some stuff today as well the trade deadline is Monday at 1 we'll have special coverage on 630ched with Bob as the host at 11 a.m on Monday we'll break in a little sooner if the Oilers do something significant which I'm not so sure that they will uh we know what the Oilers need really their biggest needs they'd like somebody else for the top six preferably a left winger they're still looking for a third line center and they could use a left-shot, second-pairing D-man. Yes, uh, all easier said than done, and all 
unlikely to be acquired. I asked Holland about trying to pick up some of those pieces in the next couple of days. I'll, I'll give you the challenge is obviously because we're in LTI, um, you've probably heard it before, we're do basically dollar in, dollar out. So, you know, if you you pick a number, if you think that we're going to add X, X amount of dollars, for the most part, we're going to have to move X amount off the roster, at least onto the taxi squad. And, you know, we've played, I think, what, were we, what are we, 22, 8 and 1, our last 31 games? Um, so lots of, uh, in order to have that record, you know, lots of those players of um, that are on the roster have obviously um, contributed to, uh, to, 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 to that record, to our success. So, you know, it's not only the, um, the cost um, in terms of assets to acquire a player and put them on your roster, but we're also going to basically take that amount of money off our roster and going to be you can get at it in the playoff time but certainly um, you know after April 12th there's there's four recalls and uh, it's going to be, be be pretty difficult to get at um, some players on taxi the rest of the way so those are those are the factors that go into my uh, my thinking between now and Monday yeah well I think money in money out might be the slogan that we remember from this year's trade deadline for the order it's going to be very tough for them to acquire anybody uh, certainly anybody of, of significance a player making three four five million dollars so I, I don't expect any of those uh major holes that the Oilers have to be filled by Monday at uh, at one o'clock it's going to have to be some pretty magical maneuvering by Ken Holland to make that happen got a uh <laughs> I like this text here from uh an anonymous texter. It's okay to give yourself a name or a handle. It's nice to call you something than, other than anonymous, but uh, I, I like how this person sums it up. He says, according to the rules of the game, rock beats scissors, which is Oilers over Jets. Scissors beats paper with his Jets over Habs, and paper beats rock, which is Habs over Oilers. And then uh, this person says, as for the Leafs, they're a game above the rest. Well, that's how it's looking in the North. The Toronto... Certainly on track to finish in first. Montreal, Winnipeg, and Edmonton jockeying for second through fourth. And as that texture point out, uh, different uh, levels of success against the other teams in Calgary, Vancouver, and Ottawa are uh, are out of it. I, I was saying earlier this week, I, I think that the worst matchup in the top four, at least the way the regular season has gone, and we'll see how the last five weeks go here, the worst matchup in the top four for the Oilers is the Montreal Canadiens. And I realized Toronto was first, and I realized Toronto won six out of nine against the Oilers, including the three games where they absolutely pounded them at Rogers Place. But I, I kind of give more credence to the other six games, which were all close. Three of them went to overtime. Do I think the Leafs are better than the Oilers? Absolutely, I do. Do I do? I do. Do I think the, the Leafs would be favored in a seven-game series with the Oilers? Absolutely. They should be. But it appears there, there, well, it, there has been a little more of a breakthrough for the Oilers against the uh, Leafs than there has been against the Canadians. And yeah, so far they're four and two against the Jets, which is still some games to come. You can chime in 780-496-0063. Riley Nash traded from Columbus to Toronto for conditional seventh rounder in 2022. Curling tonight, quarterfinal at Worlds. Botcher, Team Canada, the Edmonton Rink, 
going up against Scotland. That one starts at 7 o'clock, so uh, we'll keep you updated here on the show. We're with you until 8 o'clock. It is now down to the single elimination games at Worlds. The top six teams made the playoffs. The top two got a bye to the semis. Botch didn't quite get there, so he's got a quarter tonight against Scotland. 780-496-0063. Jason is calling in tonight. Hello, Jason. Go ahead. Hey, Reed. Um yeah, just a quick statement, I guess, about where we're at this year. It, it feels good to be okay with feeling good about the team. I think it's been too long where, you know, we get those moments of hope and then it's like, yeah, nah, that ain't going to work. And yeah, nah, we're not pulling it off this year. And, and it just, I don't know, this is a season where I don't have that same trepidation I used to. Um, yeah, I know the team's feeling strong, but I mean, we've we've been in situations before where we've been playing well that the team has still seemed fragile to me. The confidence is fragile. The faith is still fragile. And I feel like we're getting over that hump. And as good as Connor and Leon have been, Connor and Leon have always been good. To me, it's it's that stability we're getting from Smith this year. The, the overall depth and consistency of the defense, to me, those are the big factors in the difference. I mean, Leon and Connor are going to light it up, you know, ad nauseum. It, that's, that's not an issue. Maybe they'll be off a game or two. That's not an issue. But we have a legitimate team right now. That, yeah, there's some pieces we need to fill, but they're not pieces we need to fill to make us a five a team that you know is above 500 or pieces we need to fill that are going to make us the team that's going to win the cup now it's just a good feeling a good time to be an Oilers fan Reed. so well jason i appreciate you saying that i think you make a lot of good points so on monday then if you're tuning in are you comfortable with me saying monday night hey everybody like the oilers did nothing this is the team and they're going to see how they did or see how they do like, I, I agree. I agree with Holland's approach. If we think we can get someone in now who's going to make a difference now and isn't going to cost us something more than that, then I'm all for it. We don't need more depth. We don't need a rental, especially since the rentals that are available, I don't necessarily think would be anywhere near the impact a lot of people hope they would be, not right. in as short a time frame as we'd have them for. So, no, I would be absolutely fine with staying pat and being in a position where we're going into next season with some flexibility and some strength that we haven't had in years. So, yeah. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think that's fair, Jason. And I'm glad to get your perspective because uh, a lot of times when people call in or text a show like this, they 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 are like, we got to trade, we got to trade, just make a trade, just get somebody in. And we know that might not be overly uh, realistic. And, and well, yeah, like Jason said, it's, it's not a bad team. Like, they're not a horrible team. Not at all. Not at all. And, again, we're not a team that, yeah, needs to be saved at the deadline. We're a team that has the opportunity to tweak at the deadline. And if we don't tweak, we're still this same team that's, you know, winning games at a pace that, you know, as higher, if not higher than any other team in the league. So, we're doing it with our roster right now. No reason to panic come Monday. All right. Thanks, Jason. Enjoy your weekend, man. You too. Thank you. That is Jason. Good call. 780-496-0063. I should emphasize something Ken Holland said today, that 
he would not trade a first round pick for a rental. If it were a player with term, he would be open to it, I believe is, is, is what he said. He's not saying he's going to do it for sure. So, you know, the rentals are the unrestricted free agents. Uh, we saw a couple of them move already this week. Uh, you know, obviously Hall is one. So, so tip or uh, Hall is not interested in doing that for a rental player, somebody with term. Yeah, maybe, but again, he also has to move money in and money out if he's going to do that. So it is, uh, it is a little more complex than just saying, Hey, we'll trade the first round pick for a player. Cause you got to have a contract moving out as well. So that that's why I think a lot of the chatter you're hearing from, uh, you know, me and some of the other uh, media guys, both nationally and locally are saying probably quiet from the orders. And I mean, Holland's kind of tele telegraphed it. All right. We got to do the news and weather. Again, you are welcome to chime in, as Jason just did. 780-496-0063. Kelly Rudy is coming up. Former NHL goaltender, now an analyst on Rogers. He's going to talk about uh, being a little angry when he got traded back in the day. I will now provide you with an update of the National Hockey League scoreboard. Late in the second period, Capitals up 3-2 in Buffalo. It's 2-2, Penguins and Devils. Rangers leading the Islanders 2-1. Late in the first period, St. Louis with a 2-1 lead on the Minnesota Wild. Schwartz with his third of the season. Coming up later on, Coyotes and Golden Knights, Avalanche and Ducks, Kings and Sharks. Oilers and Flames tomorrow, 6.30 face-off show here on 6.30. Ched, the game will start at 8. Ryan Nugent Hopkins will not play tomorrow. At the Masters, Justin Rose is seven under will zatorius and brian Harmon are six under that's your top three baseball blue jays trailing the angels five nothing it's in the top of the fifth seven o'clock tonight quarterfinal at men's worlds in calgary canada skipped by brendan botcher taking on scotland trying to advance to the semifinals tomorrow oh, i should also tell you at the uh, masters dustin johnson brooks kepka rory mcelroy all missing the cut. You can text 780-496-0063. Munchie says, I wonder why this person is Munchie. Maybe someday we'll find out. Says, I'm comfortable with the Oilers staying pat this weekend. I think this offseason is when Holland needs to move this group from a good team to a contending team. With that all said, uh, this team can still make us all smile in the playoffs as it is. That is from Munchie. Don says, hey, Reed, it looks to me that the coach may not have faith in Bouchard. Why not trade him? I'm sure the Oilers could get a good winger for him. Uh, I think, Don, that the coach does not have as much faith in Evan Bouchard as the other three right-shot defensemen who play ahead of him, Tyson Berry, Adam Larson, and Ethan Bear. I think the Oilers, have an, as an organization, have faith that they, they want to bring Bouchard along and maybe he can become... Uh, a right shot guy on the power play, perhaps in the mold of Tyson Berry. So I, I think they they like having a young guy with that offensive skill set. And let's face it, we don't know for sure if Barry is going to be back next year. So I doubt that Evan Bouchard uh, would be traded. Luke says, uh, Reed, I predicted Leon and Connor would score 30 goals in this short season. I'm on track. Luke adds, very disappointed with the Flames. I thought they would contend something is wrong there. 
well, they're not looking very good. Oilers have won five out of seven against them this season, and they're going to go at it again tomorrow night. Okay, he joins us every week here at Inside Sports, former NHL goaltender, now an analyst with the NHL on Rogers. He's powered by Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian. Try four weeks free. Visit sentinelstorage.ca. It is Kelly Rudy. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I uh, I know Reed that this is an exciting time for hockey fans, and they're you know they're they're hearing all these trades right now and rumors, and the internet is uh, you know all sorts of crazy rumors and so on. But I, I'll tell you what, and I heard some players talk about it today. Uh, they are nervous, and uh, it, it, I tell you what, I was never nervous, Reed, going into a trade deadline until I was traded, and then every single year. About two or three weeks leading up to the trade deadline, I was on uh, pins and needles. In fact, uh, our PR guy, uh, I would and when I was in LA, I would get him to as soon as the trade deadline ended, say it was uh, noon uh, Pacific time, I'd get him to fax over the official NHL trades uh, uh, release. And so, because of course, I didn't want to be on it. I love playing in LA but you're, you're forever nervous. And so, and that's one of the few times Reed that I really was pretty quite certain early on in my time with Sportsnet, I, that I thought I might get fired because I was asked to go. Uh, I didn't go to Toronto for a trade deadline show, but I was asked to go down to the Scotia's bank uh, saddle dome and do a hit on the trade. And, and I was, I was in a bad mood. I got to tell you, because the radio show hosts all morning, we're talking about this is so exciting and everything. So, Stupidly, I went on the with my hit uh, into the Toronto show, and I said, "I don't know why everybody's so excited. This this is not a fun time for a player. This is manufactured only by the media, and I hate it. And I don't like even coming on the show. Something like that." I said, and then the hit was over, and I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh, Kelly, you are a stupid idiot, Scott. When Scott Moore sees this, he's going to fire you today." And so I was nervous, and in fact, I think I called my boss got more on the way back to the house. And I was like, Oh boy, I think I may have crossed the line. He goes, no, no, I watch it. You're okay. He goes, I wouldn't do it every year, but (laughs) a one-off you're okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is, uh, I I mean, to some extent it is, it is a little manufactured. Let's be honest. Um, But I'm wondering like when you played, did you, hear rumors about yourself did you like hear weird stuff about teammates i'm just wondering about that part of the experience right so i was traded once in my career uh and that was from uh, new york to los angeles and you know this is only about a year and a half removed from the easter epic so there i had that sort of in my back pocket and then uh the following year uh we finished in first place in the patrick division uh now we did get ousted in the first round of the playoffs by new jersey but Jersey was on a real roll heading into those playoffs. If I'm not mistaken, Reed, that was the year that New Jersey made the playoffs for the first time, and they went on a 10-game winning streak to finish off the regular season. I think John McClain scored in overtime in Chicago, uh, and that allowed them to get into the playoffs. So we were up against a team that was red hot. Nonetheless, the following year, we got off to a great start. I even just checked it up on, uh, on Hockey DB. The Islanders, we got off to a red heart, red hot start. We we're 13, 3, and 1. We had a tie in there back in the days of a tie. And in fact, our first three games, we had a three-game road trip to start off the season, and we outscored the opponents, Los Angeles, Vancouver, and Philadelphia, 17 to 2. So 
to think with a great start like that midway through November that everything's good, right? Like the general manager is not going to be shopping guys and so on. And then we went into a real funk and I kind of lost my game and I wasn't playing quite as well. But back then, the only way you could get rumors basically would be to read the hockey news, right? And that was usually a week late. By the time that sort of got to your house and you're able to read it, all those sort of rumors were, were getting old. And so there was not much communication. We had a home game uh and i'm napping we're playing detroit at home i'm napping and and my lovely wife would never wake me up for anything she allowed me to get my beauty sleep on game days and uh i'm partway through my nap and she comes in and she wakes me up she goes kelly kelly lloyd and that's our lawyer's name lloyd just called and we're getting traded and i i was in disbelief and i'm going no i haven't heard anything and and she goes, no John Davidson, he was a broadcaster for the Rangers at the time, and and Lloyd had a good relationship with him. And John had heard through the grapevine that, uh, yeah, I was getting traded, and not in the upcoming days, like probably that day. So Donna was pregnant. She was only a month from giving birth, so that was really concerning and upsetting. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, any minute here, if the rumor's out, I must be getting a call by, by general manager Bill Torrey, Nothing happened, so I'm car carpooling to the rink with Greg Gilbert, and and I get in the car, and he goes, you know, what's up? You don't look that, that good or something. I go, well, I'm getting traded. And he goes, no, what do you mean? And I told him the story, and I felt so out of sorts, as you can imagine, right? And I'm the starting goalie that night against Detroit, and nobody told me otherwise, because I'm expecting to get to the rink, and now that this trade has been verified by my agent, I'm thinking I'm going to get to the rink and they're going to say either don't dress or Billy Smith's playing tonight instead. So I wait in the stick room and I'm really nervous and upset. Nobody comes to find me. I go back in the dressing room, put on my gear. I'm still the starting goalie. I, I, I bet I didn't stop one puck and warm up. And uh, the game plays, and we got pelted. I, that's the worst game I ever played, perhaps, at least in an Islanders jersey, probably my NHL uh, career. And and I'm thinking, this is so awkward. Why would they allow me to keep playing? Because, you know, I'm terrible. I could potentially get injured. I come into the dressing room after the game, and I'm still in my gear. And just a minute or two after the game is over, and Al Arbor walks in, and he comes right to me. And he says, Kelly, because we're chartering to go to Buffalo. We played in Buffalo the next night. He goes, Kelly, you're not making the trip to Buffalo. We're going to uh, rest you here at home. And so that was clearly evident. I go home. I'm up all night. Nobody calls me. Then around 7 in the morning, Bill Torrey calls me and says, Kelly, can you come down to the office? I have to talk to you. So I drove down there, and, man, was I upset. I was so furious with Bill Torrey and the organization. I wanted them to lose every single game for the next 100 years. And I thought well, they almost did. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I thought I felt betrayed. You know, I, I thought I'd given all of myself and that to hear they're still willing to get rid of me. And it turned out to be the best move of my life. But at the moment, it was it was heartbreaking. And then, as I said, my wife was pregnant with our second daughter and I had to work that out. And and so it was extremely upsetting. And so I have those sorts of stories 
And that's unlike what a fan would experience, but that's that's reality. And by the way, so I got off the phone, or I got home, I got on, on the phone to Rogi Vashon, and so I was in Bill Torrey's office by, say, 8 in the morning. At 3.30 in the afternoon, literally, I'm on a plane from JFK Airport to to Los Angeles. So it's that sudden. Like There's no saying goodbye and having a last dinner with your wife, and we had a daughter at the time. It is, it is just nuts. So did you ever get an explanation for why they let Lloyd know and yeah. let you play the game? Was that ever? No, clarified? no, never, never explained to me. I, I, I think actually Bill Torrey, when I met him the next day, tried to sort of explain to me, but I, I also think that I, I was in disbelief. So I probably wasn't listening very well or, or maybe had no interest in listening. Like, more more than anything, I, I probably want to jump across the table and punch him in the nose or something like that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't recall. He may have explained it, and I just certainly have no recollection of it. Um, and I, I, I was to find out later that the Islanders, because we started to falter in that year, that they decided that we were going to be in a rebuild. And uh, I read an, uh, an article recently that was dated back to that year, 1989, and it was something like Bill Torrey actually was very complimentary toward, towards me, saying they they basically thought I was like a number, the best, you know, the third best goalie in the NHL at the time, and they didn't have a lot of offers for other people, even though we had LaFontaine and Brent Sutter, and those guys certainly would have had interest. But the offer from L.A., and because of Wayne Gretzky pushing for this trade, that it was quite an easy trade to make. So they they got Mark Fitzpatrick, another goalie that, I believe he was a first-rounder a year or two before. They got uh, uh, Wayne McBean, a really high-picked defenseman, and uh, future considerations, which turned out to be Doug Crossman. So the Islanders got a lot. I mean, three players for me, and so it seemed to Bill Torrey that it was a good deal. But, man, was I mad. I was just furious with him. Well, thanks for sharing that story. And I want to remind everybody, Kelly being identified as the third-best goalie, there were 21 teams, not six. Yeah. They're not that old. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, speaking of goalies, uh, like Mike Smith does it again. I, I know like after games, Rob and I are running out of ways to say Mike Smith's having an incredible right? season. Like he just isn't slowing down. We'll talk about the third best goalie in the league right now. Well, he I might mean, be, yeah. No yeah, kidding. Might yeah. be, right? You know, you think of a guy like Vasilevsky, and I know uh, there are a couple other guys that are having incredible years, but uh, Mike Smith is right in that conversation. And and I have to say, much to my surprise, I'm like you and Rob. I, You know, he got off to a great start, but uh, I recall last uh, December in 2019 when he had got off to a great start also, and the wheels came off, and... And that was more of what I was expecting because of his age at that time. And I'm thinking, well, it, you know, he's had a great run here, but at some point it's got to come to an end. And, and I thought that was the case, but then he got it back later in the season. So what he's doing this year uh, to a certain degree, now that it's sustained, is not surprising me. Now every game that he's watching, uh, I'm glued to the television. Uh, I, I mean, it's a hard way to play. Like, he he's he expends a lot of energy, right? Like he's a high energy goalie. He's not calm and efficient like Carey Price. Uh, he's playing better than Carey Price, but man alive, he puts a lot of uh, emotional 
uh, value into every single game. He, he, he empties a tank every game. Ken Holland was asked earlier in the week about possibly resigning him because of his age. And Holland mm -hmm. said he's had players in his forties. He can't let age scare right. him off. And, and right. Smith's obviously a great athlete and very committed. Yeah. Did you have any teammates or just guys you knew who were just in such good shape or that really kept themselves going late thirties, early forties? Uh, I don't know about early 40s. I, I had guys definitely in their late 30s that were just rock solid. Now, not names, high profile names, but a guy like Tony Granato comes to mind, right? He was, man, he was ripped. And he was, he could skate like the wind. Uh, he had a really long career. I think, in fact, I would say near the end of his career, people would probably be surprised that he lasted so long because he was an, a real energetic up and coming guy when he first started in the league with the Rangers. But even I have to admit, he had a great first year. I didn't know exactly what we we're going to see over the course of time with Tony. And he was just phenomenal. Like he really worked at his craft. He cared. He, uh, incredible human being. Now there's a guy that I wish all of us could have had a chance to see what would have been had his back not blown up on him. That, of course, is Mike Bossy, perhaps one of the all-time greatest goal scorers. I believe Mike had to retire because of that back at 29 years old. It could have been 30, but 29. And, and you know how great he was, but he was incredibly fit. So when you see Mike on the ice and he had that big, what kind of looked to be a baggy jersey and he looked like he might be a, a real lean guy and not a lot of muscle to him that was completely opposite when he took off his gear he was ripped he was a solid 205 pounds one of the strongest guys i've ever met there was this machine it was a, a ube machine and it was for upper body workouts and he, he put that machine to a test every single day, it seemed. And so he had incredible upper body strength, hence the incredible uh, wrist shot snapshot that he had that terrorized goalies for his entire career. Now, uh, it's just a shame with what physio was back then because, you know, if you have one year of a bad back in today's game, you're going to continue to go on, right? You'll just keep getting more therapy and hopefully it, it turns out. You know, but that was, I'm, this is a long-winded answer, but this kind of is in the proper context, that back in that time, the, the mid-80s, late-80s, guys were retiring early. Do you know what age Dennis Potvin retired? 31. One of the all-time really? best. Yes. You know, you always think of Dennis Potvin. Man, he must have played till 37, 38. He was 31. He scored 19 goals the year that he retired as a defenseman. Like, who does that? Like, nobody yeah. would do that. You would think uh, a, a player of that stature would go, well, I'm still playing. Like, you know, I, I know I've won four cups and, and so on, and I've been the Norris Trophy winner a bunch, but my gosh, he could have easily played five or seven more years, easily. And I don't know why players of that era had that mindset that right in around 30, they're all starting to think of uh, retiring. Like, I looked at the New York Islanders roster from that time and i believe most of those guys that had won cups had retired by around 32 33 yeah. like i don't remember many guys other than maybe brian trache he went on to have a, a much longer career but most of them retired at a, a very young age in that profession yeah 
Well, Kelly, I'm going to get in an upper body workout uh, after my show tonight. The potato <laughs> chips get lifted out of the bag to my mouth. I hope you get to do the same. Okay, I'm going to do uh, something very similar, but it's going to be a glass of red wine, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, sounds good, Kelly. Kelly Rudy on Inside Sports, powered by Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian, try four weeks free. Visit sentinelstorage.ca. Brian saying, how does a trade go down now? Does the GM still have to go face-to-face with the player, or is it all done through the player's agent? I, I would think in the large majority of circumstances, if possible, the uh, the general manager will will talk to the player. Well, maybe sometimes they hear from another source. You hear about trade deadline stories. Sometimes a player is watching the trade deadline coverage on television and finds out he's been traded that way before anybody else is able to contact him. That was a really good story there from Kelly Rudy. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.